Frontline Records Rewind. Frontline Records Rewind. Frontline Records Rewind. Hi. Hello. Hi, I'm Les Carlson, and uh, you're listening to Frontline Rewind, and I'm here with Crumbacher. Would you guys, uh, these are the original members of Crumbacher. We are. Yeah, they're right there in front of me. I'm here with them. Uh, would you go ahead and introduce yourself? And this is why. We want them to identify by your voice who you are, okay? okay? Start well, with I'm Steven. you. Steven Crumbacher. Hi, Steve. Hello. <laughs> I'm Don Wisner-Johnson. And I'm Jimmy Wisner. And we're here. Frontline Records Rewind. <laughs> and what's the first song? Thunder Beach. Here it goes. Thank you. 
Well, I got to tell you, I was um, really excited to come and meet you guys again. You know, we, we met each other uh, not too long ago right. uh, with Adele. And uh, now, Jan Jimmy, I didn't meet mm -hmm. you, but it's, mm -hmm. it's good today. And um, she said, well, it's Kronbacher. So I started listening, you know, to the Kronbacher stuff. And I was found myself dancing. And I was amazed at how many keyboards <laughs> you guys must have dubbed and overdubbed. <laughs> wow, Stephen. That was awesome. Uh, when did you guys first form? Well, we um, we first met actually in high school. Don and I uh, and Jim were singing in the same youth choir at church. So Don and I, both being keyboardists, we kind of formed that bond, being yeah. musicians and all. And I think we were about 15, 16 years old, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boy. I know. <laughs> all right, everybody, let's think about you know what that was like, right? That was a long time ago. Yeah. But yeah, so we, we got to be good friends. And, um, you know, just, I don't know, maybe five, six years later, when Don's family came back from the Philippines, they were missionaries uh -huh. over there. They came back to the States. Um, and um, I had an opportunity to record some stuff for a ministry resource center uh, over with Maranatha Music. And um, and so I, I told that, you know, talked with Don about that, like, would you be interested in working with me and helping with this stuff? And so we kind of formed the band. It was 1983. End of 83, after mm -hmm. the summer. Yeah, Jim had just graduated just high school. 18 mm -hmm. years old, Jim. I was 18. You were young. Wow. And so, yeah, we just, we didn't really know where it was going to go. We just, like I said, I, I had this opportunity to, to create some songs and they were going to kind of guide me. Uh, Ministry or Resource Center. It wasn't even really decided exactly. No, they didn't really. What, the album or if there was even going to be. There, one. Yeah, it was just kind of like. What's shaken? Yeah. So, it, so yeah. Stephen, how did that happen? Because you just because they they knew you had this talent and the voice. I, you know, I did it the old-fashioned way. And all that. I did it the way they say never gets you anywhere, okay. and that is, I wrote a letter to <laughs> awesome. whoever at Maranatha. I didn't even know a name. I just sent it to Maranatha Music because all my favorite artists were on Maranatha records uh, in the day uh -huh. and that's a is a local label in Costa Mesa and um, so I to me that was like well that's where I need to be signed if I'm going to be a recording artist I have to, it has to be Maranatha so I just I did I sent a letter saying where can I send a demo uh -huh. tape and I was probably about 18 17 18 years old at the first time I did that and they wrote back and said here send it to this person and I did and I kept sending them over and over and over and they were always really supportive like that's just keep working at it and just let us hear when you got some new things. And eventually one of them stuck uh -huh. and um, I got a call back from them and they wanted to meet me. And um, So did you sign with Maranatha? I, we, well, yes and no. It was, it was kind of a, an odd way there. We, I started off one weekend, I got a call, actually a couple days before I got a call. They were doing a, a compilation album called What's Shaken? And it was all of the, I guess you'd say, alternative bands yeah. in the area. Um, at the time, people like Undercover and Altar Boys and Youth Choir at the time, yeah. they were still called. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know who, but one of the artists either dropped off or they were one short, last minute. And so they called, called me up and like said, would you like to come down this weekend and record one of your songs? And... I think we had been... Had they honed in on that song? 
They did. Yeah, Joey liked that say. song. Joey, Joe what Taylor. What was that song? It, it Don't Matter. Okay. That cool. was the first one I ever recorded. And Joe Taylor really liked what I was doing, being a keyboard person. Joe Taylor from Undercover. Yeah. Wow. Uh, or Ojo, or I don't know. He has several different names. Joey. I'm not sure. Ojo, Joey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he was always very, he had been very supportive from the very beginning. He liked what he was hearing. And so uh, finally, you know, he said he, he wanted to work with me and produce that one song. And yeah, so I had about three or four days notice and I was just, I couldn't believe it. Like, wow, I get to go into the studio yeah. and meet Joe Taylor in person. And Jim Nicholson played guitar on the song. And mm -hmm. Oh, wow. It was like. That's the guy with the mohawk. Yeah. It was incredible. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was, it was like a dream come true. Wow. I mean, getting to do that. Hey, this you. is Adele, um, executive producer Hi, from Line Records Rewind, yes. <laughs> I worked at Maranatha Music. That, that would be then. where I met you, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Stephen and I go way, way back. back. <laughs> yeah. What was the name of the song again? The demo that then got put on it, the. It don't album. matter. Can we play that? Because that's like, oh. and that'd be 1980. What? I recorded that in 1983, and then we re-recorded it a year later for Incandescent. So there's two versions. I'll let you decide which one. Let's you want do Incandescent because that was your. That was the amazing album. That was, and that the, was album the very was first on. big album release. So, all right, I'm engineer. Go. Could Do you it. pull up Incandescent? Okay. Thank you. Yes, and it don't By matter. Crumbacher. Welcome to the 1980s, where religion is a thing of 
Frontline Records Rewind is brought to you by Mize Music Group, extending the life of legacy music. And so, yeah, I did that one song, and we'd only been a band. I don't even know if we were really even a band. We were just kind of working together, trying to figure out what we were doing. Uh, and it was about just a the month, three of us. Yeah, yeah it was no just guitars. the three of us. No guitar yet. So we really hadn't even found our sound yet. Um, but it was about a month into that when I got the opportunity to do that. So, um, you know, and that just kind of kept leading to other things. And Undercover was always really supportive of, of the, the new groups. They let yeah. us open for them, I don't know how many times. And oh, awesome. It was great. I mean, getting to do stuff like that. And then eventually, I think it was about a year later. Yeah, that following summer in 84, we got the opportunity to come in and record. It was just going to be a six-song EP. It wasn't going to be a full album. And we did record that. Recorded it in about four days, I think. It was like just a whirlwind thing. Nights. Yeah, it was just Overnight, yeah. incredible. But um, we, we did six songs. Um, it turned out that the distributor, it was again, it was another kind of a backdoor thing. Another group that was supposed to be released on the, the Broken Records label, which uh-huh. was a part of Maranoff. It was a new label they were doing for the, the alternative. We weren't going to be on Broken. We were going to just be on MRC, which is more of a custom label. Um, but another group at the last minute ended up, they weren't going to have a release for them for the initial release of Broken Records, and they needed one more group. And we had this ready. Wow. And it was only six songs, so um, the distributor, which was Word Records at the time, said, um, put them back in the studio, record a couple more songs, and we'll just, we'll release it as a full album. So we didn't even go into recording our first album, which was Incandescent. We didn't even go into that, really even thinking of it as an album. It wasn't an album. It was going to be just kind of a, like I said, a getting to know you kind of EP type of a thing. And it turned into something much bigger. Uh, we had no idea. Wow. And so, yeah. So in 85, that was released, and that was a big surprise. Well, it looks me. like the Lord was just opening yeah, it, doors and parting the waters there and getting you in place. It was definitely nothing. We couldn't have arranged any of it. We yeah. were just ready. That was the main thing. We're like, we just got to be ready for whenever, whatever happens. Yeah. Whoever calls, we got to be ready to just go do it, no matter what. And and we were, I mean, I will say that we, we worked hard, and we rehearsed all the time I, I mean we were we were serious about it <laughs> tight yeah tight. we were really serious and um, so we, we wanted had, to make sure we could deliver speaking of time. keyboards we had that was pre programming that was pre MIDI mm, pre MIDI even we, oh, I had MIDI to was a new thing he had to yeah. oh and that's it, when everybody had those stats yeah right? but I mean con- all we were doing was constantly just this you know our hands no, were busy and they weren't digital either they were analog no, so yeah. you couldn't save the sounds it's like between songs I might be talking be Don would be <laughs> working with the dials and the levers and trying it's to change crazy. the sounds and yeah so that was definitely um, we the, have our first show at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa was the were the three of us only there? It was just the three of us. Yeah, it was. that was well. Actually, well, we we yeah. That was our um, we opened for Undercover and Alter Boys, the Choir, and the Lifters. The New Year's Eve before On the that. New Year's Eve, yeah. And then yeah, two weeks later, I think we were in Costa Mesa, and it was still just the three of us. Right. Um, so now, we're trying to figure was, out our um, sound. That, that happened at, at Costa Mesa at the church and Chuck's at Calvary Chapel. At Calvary Smith. Chapel, and so was Jimmy Kempner involved in that? Uh, I, I think Jimmy wasn't doing them oh, uh, during that time. He, there, um, there was a period where he wasn't doing them. There was another uh, gentleman doing the. Uh, but Lonnie Frisbee. 
Lonnie Fritz? Lonnie? No. Wow. no, on Saturday Night Live. Ziegler, Randy no, okay. Ziegler? Ziegler, yeah, yes, there yes. you go. That's who was Oh, Zig Ziegler. Mm-hmm. No, another yeah. Ziegler. <laughs> another different Okay, one. another, yeah. 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 Um, but, but, I, um, but it was the same kind of thing. It was the, the, the type that Jimmy had started back in the 70s. It was kind of a continuation of yeah, that. Yeah, okay, because when, when Bloodgood came on the scene, that's kind of one of the first. We saw Crystal Lewis there. And, yeah, and it was the he place. He was talking about Saturday night concerts at the church and it, so you were kind of that in that oh we were yeah you we were played, there, like every the we played there a lot um, if you were a, a band in yeah. southern california or yeah, any even months, remotely yeah. close calvary chapel costa mesa was one of it was stops. happening it I was it was it was one that. of the places well, it was you, you interesting went. to me uh, in particular a personal note on the on those saturday night jimmy kempner gigs was that don and i lived overseas in the philippines before all of this growing up and I was in high school, and I would somehow on TV on Sunday afternoons, I found on uh, in the Philippines that uh, they were playing those concerts on Sunday afternoon, and I and I uh, and I had known and watched like bands like Sweet Comfort mm-hmm. and and others that were playing Daniel prior. Daniel Amos. Daniel Amos. Probably all those bands okay. that were just prior to us uh, playing those Saturday nights. And uh, I used to watch those, and uh, Jimmy Kempner was there, and then ha- and then coming around to to this whole business that we found ourselves in, and playing at that very same place on that very same stage. Yeah, was and that just, was like a year and a half later, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it happened yeah. really fast. That's so funny. Was, it's almost like the Lord was showing you something that you didn't mm-hmm. realize at the time. I was right? supposed to go back to college because I was over for his senior year. I went back. I had been at. Azusa Pacific for two years and it's still in the choir with Steve and um, Hindalong was playing drums in That's the Steve, Hindelong, Steve yeah. Hindelong was playing drums in the choir I was at at Azusa so I knew I knew I sort of knew some people but I had no idea he was in youth choir until we showed up at one show and I'm like huh you're on the same <laughs> label that we are so yeah all kinds of little threads were going but I also wanted to say Jim about the studio when he was talking about incandescent. Mm-hmm. Remember Joey Taylor when we were we brought in some of our vocals. Oh yeah. We'd all get around the mic, <laughs> and he's he's in there. Derry was Derry Darty was uh, engineering. What what remember that? What he yeah. would say to us? Well, it was. I remember him. I just remember the the. I don't know if it was the look or I don't remember his exact words. What did he say? Well, because see, with what undercover, what are you guys doing? Yeah, like, wh- are you sure? With, with undercover, they would just—he's like, well, we'll That's just go and do some backer vocals, and for him, that meant doubling the lead vocal, right? Okay, know, just, yeah. I'm like, okay, we're ready for the background vocals, and all three of us go in. <laughs> And we're not doubling anything. We're all we've got. And like we had these, rehearsed these, these things. And yeah, we had all three these arrangements. Part, you know, layers. And he's going. All these I harmonies. Don't know. He's like, "Are you sure you guys can do this?" And like, I think this, that's this is what we do. This is I our, think that's what he was concerned about. Okay, but you got to do this live. You know, yeah. you got to you got to pull this off. On stage well, in front of you know we had to the do rest live, of the world, and we had to do it practically in one take in the studio too because we did yeah. not have. No. A budget. But I was going to say, we didn't. should we, I jump we, ahead and say a budget? <laughs> but as Steve said, we had rehearsed, yeah. but we had also all been singing. We had. Si- I, I can't lives. remember when I wasn't singing. <laughs> I mean, my parents, the five of us were singing together as and a family. And harmonizing, too. You and guys, harmonizing, yeah. Just And Steve yeah. would just say, do this. And mm-hmm. even if it was hard, it was like, well, I'm going to do it. 
Interstellar Satellite Interstellar Satellite Sail beyond the, the outer limits of the night I'll escape uh -huh. this fallen planet to an everlasting life Everlasting life Oh, oh Lord, I'll be your Interstellar Frontline Rewind episode, we have a specially curated Spotify playlist. I did not know that. I'm on my way. So you wrote, uh, Stephen, you wrote a lot of the, all the lyrics pretty much. Mm -hmm. And how does that happen for you? I don't know. I really don't, other than, and like Don said, we, we all grew up in the church. And so what we had to write about wasn't necessarily what... It seemed like for a lot of the groups in Christian music back in, back then, we're writing from a perspective of 
not having been familiar with the church, coming in from the outside. Mm -hmm. And so then they were still really able to speak to the people that, that they grew up with you know the the ones that weren't More raised evangelical, in the church evangelical yeah yeah and so they they and there there was a lot of that and that was mostly kind of the what we were seeing in the scene um well that was that was yeah you're talking about right blood good and I'm, yes i mean and so but here I, we were you know and the whole thing was like so you you know how are you gonna do your outreach and our whole thing's like yeah. I don't know how we would do outreach. We've never done outreach. We've always, even in the, our, our church choir, our youth choir, it, we always sing out of the churches, but we saw a need there, too. Mm -hmm. We saw, you know, people struggling there yeah. in the church. And we did ourselves. So we, we always kind of view that as like, if we can speak to that, that's where we're going to be. Yeah. And we got, we really got a lot of kind of criticism, I would from the criticism churches? from the industry in the industry sense that it's church, like yeah. you're supposed to do it this way you're supposed to get up you're supposed to sing the song you're supposed to talk about Jesus you're supposed to sing a few more songs and you give an altar call mm. and this is how you're supposed to do it and that wasn't our vision really and a lot of people thought well you're just in it for the fame then if, if you're not in it to win oh, souls we're uh, like come on Pete it's, that's, that's <laughs> not really what we're saying it's not we're yeah. not trying to make converts so much. We know that most of the kids that are going to come to our shows have been living it their whole life. They've grown up in this. So what we wanted to do was to give give them something. You know, as far as um, the songs that I wrote, I, they could only be from that perspective. I didn't know what it was like to yeah. not grow up in a Christian home. Yeah. I didn't know that. But I knew it was like to struggle as a teenager in one. So that's where my songs came from. And it's the same with these guys here too. They, the same thing. They didn't know the world from the outside as much. I mean, they, they saw more of it yeah. being on the mission field, but they were still in that, that Christian kind of cocoon in a sense yeah. where everything, your whole life, everything happens right there. Yeah. And so that's just where I kind of, that's where my music came from. And you from. know something, that really is a good thing. That is such a good thing. It's, that, because, you know, the world isn't all it's cracked up to be. And I've been in the world to end. <laughs> Believe me, he who is forgiven much loves much. And <clears throat> for, for somebody, and the thing is, is that what that does on a spiritual level is it, it opens, your life is so much more open to the enemy because he has so much dirt on you that you struggle with it. I mean, I'm not saying you guys don't have some dirt on you from you know, being, <laughs> being flesh. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when you're unhinged in the world, there's just so much. And so when you do become a Christian, there's this, there's opportunity for the enemy to come against mm -hmm. with a lot of, you know, factual stuff that, yeah. <laughs> that you remember that he can bring up. So, but I'm, I'm just saying that, that God bless Well, I was going to say, it, it took us a while to be able to get that format, what we were doing, across to people. Um, after... And we would, every once in a while, you know, the, the places we'd play, they'd be kind of offended. Like, well, you didn't give an altar call. And we'd be like, we just sang for your youth group. Yeah. You know, and for the kids here that maybe aren't familiar with it, don't you think they're better served by their friends who brought them to church? Mm -hmm. Do you think I would be a better person, a stranger, mm -hmm. you know, to minister yeah. to them in that way? I, I, you know, and we were just, we were really trying to empower, I guess, the kids that listen to our music to 
do that. Well, yeah. the sound you know? of your music was joyful. It mm-hmm. was it was dance. It was it was celebration. I mean, that's the vibe that I got. I, I just that's felt. What we man, this feels do. good. That's what it we was, wanted uh, to do. There was something very deliberate about our intentions uh, when we played, and that was that to relate, and we're talking about relationships, so to relate to those kids that Steve was talking about who have grown up like we did, we're relating on from, we're relating on our level, ours and yeah. theirs, we're relating. So when we go in, um, we're, we're playing and relating and associating and connecting with people that have grown up in a box, so to speak, like we did. And we're saying, okay, if you're going to be in this box, let's at least have a party in the box. You know, let's at least <laughs> well, there you go. let's at least let's at least have That's some. That would have been a good song, actually. <laughs> let's have some liberty. Let's have some liberty yeah. within our connection and our relationship. This is yeah. a safe place. So when Crumbacher went on stage, no matter where we were, we knew we were in a safe place, and and we we knew that these kids that we were playing to were in a safe place, but most often it was perhaps some others that had issues with us uh-huh. because we were we were like we we were intentionally like a party band because it's like okay let's do this together uh, yeah we're not gonna we're we, gonna get up we here we ran around we yeah. we leaned on each other i got in trouble for that yeah. <laughs> leaning so. back on dookie <laughs> and you know we we did it we that's what we were doing we yeah. want the music was joyful and so were we yeah. Whether we were at the moment or not, but we were but for we an were, hour, and we were like a family. I mean, we hung out together. We yeah. still do. Even when we got off the road, we yeah, we all it was. A day later, we'd be having dinner at someone's house. We would. Like, we had kids together. We just did it. All well, what, brothers think, and sisters in the Lord. I mean, that's yes. what you I are. I think what some people were awesome. looking for in our performance was really found in the lyrics. And anybody that's a big fan of Crumbacher knows that the content is phenomenal. Speaking yeah. of lyrics, mm-hmm. if you read our lyrics, it's it's pretty phenomenal. It's, there's a lot of depth. Very well Although, thought out. Yes. I don't know if you remember this from the early early days, um, and I won't say who this was, but it was one of the places we played a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the the person who did the uh, the concerts told me one night, "You've got to write some songs that people can understand." <laughs> and I'm like. Excuse me? He's like, I, I don't understand what you're singing about here. And I don't think anyone else out there understands these lyrics oh. either. He said, you know, if someone was here from Mars, they should be able to understand your music. I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, this guy might have been from Mars. <laughs> well, he's talking about dumbing it down for Christians. <laughs> what he, that's I mean, exactly what he was saying. And that's not okay. Now, and granted, this was during the time when you had, and, and again, I'm not saying anything about the, the other groups or where they did things. But they were used to hearing, this, we're talking early undercover, early altar boys, when you'd get, you know, the lyrics, yeah. you know. Mm. I'm trying to think God of rules. I, God rules. <laughs> God rules, God rules. Yeah, just simple. I'm into God. The hooks. Which was great because it was so simple that you could, you got it right it away. An, like an anthem? Yeah. And, and so it, that's what was so great about those types of songs. The problem was is that that the, it's kind of what they started expecting from a lot of the groups, and we weren't that. We we didn't have very. I don't can't think of anything like that that we had that was. M- no, more some of, of the choruses, but Steve's 
lyrics. That's one of the things that drew me to him, even in high school when you were writing and you would do some of your music. And mm. all the people I was sitting with would be like, what is he? And I'd just be like, what is wrong with you people? These are incredible. So, so Don, what, and Jimmy, you brought this up, and, and so what, if you if a song, give me, you know, like a title. An example, yeah. Of, an well, example I mean, I'm looking at Identical some, Twins, because on okay. the first page. That's right funny, because that's the one I was on. Identical I mean, Twins. that one, you've got a lot of stuff going on in there. Yeah. It's, you really got to dig into the, the verses and the just kind of can you kind of paraphrase it because I know Stephen wrote it, but I, I would like to hear your perspective on it because obviously you guys, you guys are aware of this man's talent when it comes to lyrics and yeah, you know it's one of the reasons it was so hard for me to start writing later mm-hmm. because I was so I thought I can't I can't do that like that. <laughs> that song is a simple way. thought. It's very simple. Identical twins. Yeah. yeah, it's it's why why do I always do what I don't want to do? That's it. But read the rest of them and and go from there. You know, it's scriptural. But you know what I had to do though, and a lot of people, it's kind of funny because a lot of people thought it was I don't know, really something special. How I would always find you know the 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 scriptures. Verses mm-hmm. to go with the songs, and I'd I always know. list them. You did them. that later. I did you? that. I did on I every one of our albums, actually. For <laughs> every song, I'd have two or three scripture references. Okay. For a couple different reasons. Number one, a lot of times, most of the times, these songs did come from something. I, I went to private schools when I was a child, uh, Christian schools. The Bible was a big part of it. I just, this is, I knew yeah. all this stuff just mm-hmm. growing up. So, a song like Identical Twins, you know, that was, I mean, there's, it's almost verbatim, the first, not verbatim, but kind of a uh, paraphrase. It's, it paraphrase taken from Scripture. Why do I always do what I don't want to do? Mm-hmm. That's directly out of Scripture. I just thought it sounded kind of, it was a neat, a good opening yeah. lyric to a song. I yeah. thought that'd be good. And um, and then the rest of it, I could build around it. But I knew it's like for a song like that, I bet I have to show some references so people aren't confused as to where I'm getting it. Mm-hmm. And because it was just, I, I knew these stories in my head just from being raised in it. Yeah, um, It was very easy for me to write about stuff like that, but put, to put it in contemporary terms, I guess. And I think that's what confused people. I wasn't being literal with a lot of the, with hardly anything I wrote. It was very symbolic, a lot of the stuff I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think once people got the idea of it, then they they appreciated. But at the very beginning was really hard because mm-hmm. we weren't as straightforward as a lot of the groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you the listed those uh, verses, chapters and verses and books, and when you listed and they read that, they went there to the Bible, and you were forcing them to go well, to the I Word figured. of God. And again, I knew most of the people buying our music were Christian teenagers mm-hmm. or their parents. And where should <laughs> we, where should we all be in the Word? Right. right. So I figure it's like, well, I'm really glad you're listening to my stuff, but I just want you to know that this isn't just some idea that I thought of, you know, that there's a background to it, and you can get more and apply even more of it to yourself if you want to yeah. from from you know seeing where those ideas came from. But you were. You were a writer here, and you're you're living and breathing the word. You guys were raised in the church. You were serious about God's word, and you're now, you know, entertaining and partying in the box uh, <laughs> and all that with with these other Christian believers. But still, you, there was a seriousness about it in this 
in all of the joy and everything, because you were very persistent in saying, listen, this we're going to bring you to Jesus. I mean, we're, we're going to be around. We're going to be in your face. We're going to... No matter, you know, we're still going to be around, pointing you the, you know, to the Lord, and I mean that's, that's that's life, that's life giving, so, praise God for Crumb Walker. <laughs> so why do I always do what I don't want to do? Why can't I always be the better side of me? <laughs> Voices in my heart have often asked me if I'm playing fair or breaking all the rules in this deadly game of double solitaire. Yep. Here it is, Identical Twins by Krombacher.
Hey, Adele, how do people hear the music featured on the Rewind shows? Well, a lot of people like to stream music these days on Apple Music, Spotify, and other digital music stores. And of course, downloads are available on iTunes and Amazon. And if you're a hardcore classic music appreciator, some physical CDs can be purchased on Amazon and our own website, frontlinerecords.us. Wow. Very informative. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of those. I was fortunate enough. I I had a dream about that one, and I woke up Again, singing it. Is that one of them? Yeah, it didn't happen often enough. Those as a songwriter, stories. as a songwriter, you always hope that you get an easy one like that, and that one was. And Daryl Hall and John Oates were singing it in my dream, so it was pretty good. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. It was a pretty good song in my dream. So it's, it's always good to write music for those guys. <laughs> so yeah, I woke good up and I'm like, oh, that's, that's a catchy little tune. Why don't we well, wait a get minute. a hold of them? They don't do a song called that. Yes, hmm. <laughs> we are now. So, but yeah, that that was one of those rare occasions, one of those freebies. Okay. So, <laughs> so who booked the band? We have a lot of different people. We kind of wondered that ourselves. So yeah, <laughs> it changed a lot. Or who didn't? Earlier, it was yeah. MRC. Hello? MRC. <laughs> I was really shocked, actually, when we first got well, our MRC first... MRC did a pretty, yeah. We got our first gig because we got paid for it, and that was something I was always told, don't ever expect to get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't, and they actually got us paid for it, where it was like, this is more than gas money kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, It wasn't enough to live on, let's say, but... It was like, wow, okay, we're not losing to go do this yeah. this performance. So MRC was really good. They could get your expenses, and, and they were really good at finding. They had a good network. Uh, they knew the people that they were booking. The so MRC stands for? Ministry Resource Center. Okay. And that was, I guess, kind of the, uh, it was a branch off of what Maranatha was doing, correct? And It was really Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Pastor Chuck Smith, that yeah. was kind of his brainchild. Yeah. He wanted to help up-and-coming Yeah, musicians. and not everyone recorded a record that was on there, but they were really good at help supporting you to kind of help you find your way mm-hmm. um, and to get out there and play. They did a lot of bookings for the high schools in the area. Um, but that was the first... I They were the first ones to do it. Uh, Marie McGilvery was mm-hmm. our first, I guess you'd say, true booking agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were with street-level artists for a while. Um we were with Christian artists for a while, uh, and then we started booking ourselves after a while. So, a lot of different. Yeah. A lot of different. So, people. did you do a lot of churches? A lot of youth group type yeah. things? It was almost and... all either, if it wasn't in a church, it was sponsored by the local church. If yeah. it was in a club, it was the church renting it out, you know, or a festival or something like that. We didn't do, I can't think of. I can't think of one situation where it wasn't a church-sponsored. Yeah, thing. pretty much. Because, like mm-hmm. I said, the people we knew the people buying our stuff. They, mm-hmm. they were, yeah, churched. And the, your audience. the festivals. Yeah. We made it to all the festivals mm-hmm. and went back. Yeah. Except. So, so when you did the festivals, though, those were kind of different things where they had a variety of different acts. And what were some of the big festivals that you did? Creation. Yeah. We did main, main and stage where was creation? creation. Where was that? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I think we did that too. We yeah, did Cornerstone sure one year. Yeah. Cornerstone. Did you do the main stage at Cornerstone? No, we were brand new. Our album had just come out, actually. Uh, we did their inside stage, yeah. but it was a big venue. It was still the biggest audience I think we'd ever played to mm-hmm. at that time, and it was loud and fast paced, and it was a new world for was us. It was fun. It was, it was amazing. A blast. Yeah. All the bands went together. 
yes. on the same plane. All of us. Because MRC booked us and Daryl Mansfield. That was nuts. Oh, Undercover, yeah. Undercover, the At Altar the Boys, yeah. Youth oh. Choir. Anyone who was playing music, I think, in Southern California at the time was on that flight. Yeah. For Cornerstone. For Cornerstone mm-hmm. that one year. I think it was 85 mm-hmm. that we played. So, yeah, that was a good one. After that, we, we started playing the other festivals. As the albums progressed, we had uh, singles that were making... Did you get radio airplay? Yeah. We did. Yeah. We got a lot, actually. Um, not from Incandescent as much, but Not from other. Incandescent as much. From the others, we did. Um, if I found this one thing. I don't know how I found it. It sounds like I probably look for myself on the Internet all the time, but I really don't. <laughs> I, I don't know if I was looking for something. I don't know what it was, but I found this thing. It was a chart. It said that 100 most successful band, Christian bands of the 80s. Um, and it was based on airplay. And we're in there. Oh. We're number 88, which makes it easy because Piano Keys is 88. Oh, yeah. You can remember that. But And it's funny because I looked for other groups that I know sold way more records yeah. than we sold. They weren't on the list. I'm like, what is this based on anyway? This anyways? is on radio. And then yeah. I saw it was based on radio. So we really did. We got some great airplay. I guess it goes to show that it, that didn't always translate into no, sales. No, it didn't. But it, <laughs> but did, it did translate into booking. It did. We, yeah, we saw that so. change immediately yeah. as soon as but we started getting played. there was a problem. Those were that? all of our ballads that yeah, were mostly played. that was played the thing. A lot and of... that people knew. So when we would get there <laughs> and our show would start... It's like in the I, box. Uh, they wanted yeah. us in the box, and that's not what we were doing. This is what I was because there was of. one album, one one ballad on that album, and so that's the one I, they were familiar with <laughs> when we showed up. Wow! And what they got was party. I think that was the one. That was the one the parents who brought their kids to the shows were familiar yeah. with. Okay, so what the kids was knew what, what they was were this, going For to example, hear. what was this ballad? What, what was well, here am I was our first. Here really big song. Mm-hmm. It's called Here Am I. And that was one, I, I mean, it was literally a song that I was told, you need to write something that they can play on the radio. And I tried, and it just wasn't happening. And then finally, I, I don't know, I just got Did frustrated. I don't know if it was Barry or <laughs> who it was I was channeling. <laughs> Barry White? <laughs> He probably helped. No, a it wasn't bit. that cool. Um, well, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't that. So it was definitely more middle of the road. Okay, not that Barry. Closer to Barry Manilow than Barry. Mandel. Oh, Barry Manilow. But oh, Mandy. I just I yes. remember thinking I've got to just make this as simple as I can. Stop overthinking it. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote, I literally I wrote here am I on the car ride home from a meeting at Frontline. Oh wow. When I was told you need to write a song we can play on the radio, and I was very frustrated with that. Like you didn't like anything I just played for you here. And I, so I did. I like I just stop overthinking it, and I just I kind of wrote it on the car ride home, and I wasn't even all that impressed with it. And then I played it for uh, the A and R people, and they're like, "That is a number one song." And I thought, "Okay, if you say so." <laughs> and they were right. It was. It was our one and only number one song. And wow. But then we did see to their point that we started to get bookings then, because I mean, and it makes sense if they're going to say, "Come see this group," they need to be able to play. A song on the radio afterwards, you know, or no one's going to know who you are. So it, it it was it was a valid point, and um, and the one thing also we found too is the more we did that, the more we were allowed to kind of expand a little bit beyond that middle of the road, easy listening 
one song per album kind of thing. Because I, you know, I'd listen, and, and even at the time, people like Amy Grant were trying to do more rock-oriented stuff, and I, you know, I'm like, well, what about her? She's doing up-tempo songs, and they play her, and, well, she's Amy Grant. She can do whatever she wants. You're not her yet, you know, so we, but we did fine. We got a little bit more freedom, um, and then songs like Speechless got played after that, you know, whereas they didn't want to hear anything with a lot of drums in it. So you know, would you do us the honor uh, and introduce that song for us right now? Sure, our one and only number one song from the Thunder Beach album, Here Am I. Colorful illusion Slipping from my hands Miscast in confusion Lord, help me understand where I'm supposed to be all through the day into the night the rest of my
Adele, I heard something about critics, uh, you know, critics' corner on Frontline Records. I mean, is is that like uh, Rotten Tomatoes? Well, usually fans of our Rewind show or our amazing Frontline artists write encouraging reviews. No rotten ones that I've seen. I hope not. They also get to select a free album download as a thank you. Wow. Can I get a free album download also? Sure. Just go to frontlinerecords.us and write something nice about me, and I'll make sure you get something nice. Oh, it's easy to write nice things about you. Oh, you're so nice. All right. Did you guys have fun? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have oh, fun? It was great. It was great. Thank I, you. I, thank I saw you. you. I saw. I heard you guys singing live here and everything in this. It was amazing. I saw your, your hearts and your faces light up when you were singing together again. It's been a great time. Thank you very much. This is the end of the Krombacher Show, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Krombacher, did you love it? We did. We Thank you, you so your much. Fans? Thank Go you listen. Do you love your We love fans? our fans. We do. You Thank do you so me. much. Oh, tell them how much you love them. Thank you so we much. Love, for we listening. love you guys. We do love you guys. <laughs> we love you guys. Thank you. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Frontline Records Rewind. Frontline Records Rewind. Frontline Records Rewind.